Welcome everyone to our holiday special. Yay. Yeah. Jingle, 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 jingle. I'm actually jingle. really excited for this. This is going to be good. <laughs> I hope it is good. I appreciate Dan letting me borrow the GM torch. Today it will be a DM torch because we are going (laughs) to be playing some Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Back to our roots. Hopefully it's fourth edition so we can spend all of our time gathering food. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's what I have planned for you guys today in the Arctic. It's going to be great. I get to gather twice as much food as everyone else. (laughs) All right. Unless any of you guys have any questions, I'll just go ahead and get started. Somewhere in time, in a moment most would deem insignificant, thick fog rolls through the streets of Dublin, obscuring neighboring buildings from each other and dampening any sound till only empty silence is left. Fresh snow lays in deep drifts along large shop windows, Each is filled with inviting decorations, and in front of them, shivering urchins beg for aid, filling passerby with sympathy and gratitude for their own wealth on this bleak winter solstice. The winter solstice, a day where we are closest to nature, a day that has long celebrated the death and birth of the sun, filled with festivals of light and general cheer and goodwill. But, here in Dublin... There's one soul trudging through these fog-covered streets who doesn't hold an ounce of cheer or goodwill towards the holiday. Elias Shrivlock, a thin, stooped man dressed in simple dark clothes covered almost completely by a black coat buttoned up to his pointed chin, brushes past any and all holiday frivolity, determined not to be involved. His gaze chills even the most jovial passerby and he glances at a lamppost bedecked in holly and a frost-covered garland. He frowns. Bah, he grumbles. Humbug. He said the thing. He said the thing. (laughs) All right. It is the holiday season inside Beth. And all of you knew the moment that it started because Char, with the help of Effie, hung up approximately 50 strings of lights throughout Beth's corridors and main rooms. It's like a star freaking exploded and left a huge rainbow of LEDs. It's amazing. You all have never seen Char happier. Chaos. What does your holiday setup look like inside Beth? Uh, oh my gosh, we're going to see Chaos's room. <laughs> it can be his room. It it's can be just on what the I deck. Wanted like, for it's anywhere. Winter solstice. <laughs> so Chaos has a Christmas tree in the corner, far away from the pool, so it doesn't get wet. Is this, is this his room? <laughs> is this your room? Why do you have a pool? Do you know how it's, many electronics why not? you have? There, there's a lot of space. It's fine. Of course. The the tree is actually uh, entirely black. And it is decorated by what he thinks are occult symbols. <laughs> but what um, are they really? <laughs> they're just things he found in Dungeons and Dragons manuals. So maybe they're occult. His, cool. nice. his mom said they were bad. Uncle Todd tried to get rid of them when he was around. Uh, so Chaos likes them even more. Did you begin <laughs> the episode with a meta joke? Like literally one of the first things out of your mouth. Why do you think it's, what meta joke did I make? <laughs> Hey, Dungeons and Dragons exists inside of this universe. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, but today we're playing Dickens and Devils. <laughs> okay, love it. Love a good spray-painted Christmas tree, which I'm assuming it's spray-painted because it's all uh, black. All right, zoom in. Tell us what your holiday setup looks like. Yeah, uh, my holiday setup goes back to my roots. Uh, so I have some uh, some hot dogs cooking on a barbie with some shrimp. We call them prawns. Is this and in your bedroom? 
Yes, in my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm on the holodeck. Biohazard. I'm on the holodeck, uh, and I've, I've got a beach scene pulled up. I'm wearing board shorts, and I guess we can call them flip-flops for the sake of appropriate. Don't be a coward. Because call we can't say thongs. It's a culturally appropriate thing, Keith. Yeah, so I'm wearing board shorts and thongs, and uh, <laughs> sunbathing on the beach. Are you wearing a Santa surf outfit? Yeah, I have my Santa hat on, and yeah, it's uh, it's wonderful. I've cranked the uh, the AC in the in the holodeck up to like 110 uh-huh. with 100 percent humidity, and I'm just pretty much chilling right there. Okay, uh, Char is with you. She's got a little necklace that is a string of lights, and she's uh, sunbathing on the beach nice. with her sunglasses on. Effie, what about you? I am still tweaking the light display so that it flashes to different Christmas songs. Oh, amazing. That's incredible. <laughs> right. You've got to like hardwire into your brain and then you just like pull, <laughs> up your, pull up your internal Spotify playlist to just have it go off. What is what is Effie's favorite Christmas song? What is that one about catching dad doing Santa, mommy doing Santa Claus? Whoa. Santa Claus? <laughs> I don't think it well, went Well, we now far. know what Keith's favorite Christmas song is. I think they have different Christmas songs in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no. (laughs) We'll come back to you. You can decide later. Oh, I was gonna say Elvis Presley's Blue Christmas. Oh nice. Love it. Classic. Alright, Van Helsing. What's your holiday setup? Uh I've got a roaring fire in my room. Uh and I'm just sitting in my armchair with a big fire. Charles Dickens a Christmas carol. (laughs) Honestly, such a mood. Yes. Okay. The only real problem with uh, Van Helsing's setup is when he tried to cut a hole in the top of Beth for the fire to escape. <laughs> I'm also sipping some a hot toddy. Yeah. Hot toddy. Go ahead and make a constitution saving throw. <laughs> what? It's just make, one. Make a constitution I didn't sip saving eight. throw. That's an eight. I rolled an eight. For the next one minute of real life, Van Helsing is very drunk. I'm going to go make a drink. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Don't do drugs, kids. Hot toddies, not even once. Okay, we have our favorite stowaway on board today, Jake Baum. We're not quite sure how you got here for the holidays, but you did. Tell us about what you brought from home. You know, I I never really thought of religion because of being out in the German war and all that, you know. But, you know, every time it comes to the holidays, it makes me think of my ma, you know. And so I brought aboard a, a Hanukkah menorah. How, how lit is it right now? It's hella lit right now. <laughs> they light one candle every night. So. Amazing. Where do you where do you have your menorah, Jake? So uh, there are five candles lit and so I lit. just brought it onto the bridge and put it on a table in the bridge. Nice. Uh, Effie, I'm going to assume that like the pinnacle of the holiday light display is on the bridge. Do you like notice Jake's menorah at all? Sure, I do. Hello, Jake. How do you incorporate it into your light display? Yeah, let's make Jake feel at home here. I put some lights around the area where the menorah is that flicker like candles. Beth has her own holiday celebration programmed into her as well. She did notify everyone that AIs don't celebrate any one holiday, but are programmed to celebrate all holidays. So occasionally you'll hear music played throughout the central comms, ranging from Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You to a lively rendition of 
bunny holes, happy, happy Kwanzaa. Your meals are now a conglomerate of holiday food, all of which is splendidly delicious, though most of you would say Beth's latkes are your favorite. Mm, I do enjoy latkes. The only problem with the computer that celebrates all holidays is that she just takes like a lot of days off. (laughs) (laughs) I would say that they are well-earned chaos overclock as opposed to your days off. Cool. So in the middle of all of you, you know, kind of hanging around your holiday areas, uh, enjoying the back and forth between holiday music that's going on, suddenly there's a very intense jingling of what you would figure is like a hundred bells. And it's a quite obvious you know, that it is a replacement for the usual siren that goes off because there are accompanying red (laughs) flashing lights that are not just the Christmas lights. My light display responds to the bells. Nice. Chaos, will you turn off that newfangled music? I was just getting comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Zoom accidentally, like, squirts the sunscreen that's in his hand in his shock. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like shoots off into the air. It gets all over Char's hair and she does not say a word to you, but gets up and leaves. <laughs> At least it was only holodeck sunscreen, so it's not real. <laughs> the sunscreen is definitely real. The holodeck has UV lights. Yeah, it's really <laughs> important to have accuracy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, do you guys go to the bridge? Uh, no, yeah, already on the, the bridge. bridge. I grab the shirt that's hanging off the holodeck. Gotta cover hanger. your thongs. <laughs> For some reason, I grab the rosary off the back of my chair and put it on as I head up to the hollow deck. <laughs> All right, <Nice>. Dracula. <laughs> my shirt says "Have a Hoppin' Christmas," and there's a kangaroo with a with a Santa hat on. Nice. Okay, those of you, I'm assuming everyone. I didn't actually hear an answer from Chaos, but I'm gonna assume that you go to the bridge because we're gonna move forward. So this is the part where you know we find something wrong and then we gotta go fix it, right, Effie? That's correct, Jake Bomb. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's a bit of a jog. I brought my kangaroo. His name's Victy. Oh, gosh. Is your kangaroo decorated for the holidays? And I look at my shirt, and I look at the kangaroo, and I look at my shirt, and I take the Santa hat off my head, and I put it on top of the kangaroo's head. Perfect. Amazing. Looking good, Victy. The kangaroo who is wearing boxing gloves. Offers you knuckles. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I reciprocated kind. I'll do a strength check. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> cool. Yeah, punched in the face. <laughs> Abruptly, the lights stop flashing, the bells stop jingling, and an image appears. It's a hologram. And on closer inspection, you guys all see that it is an obituary page from a newspaper dated May 14, 1855. Two deaths are listed. The first is titled Our Darling Brom. Always a cheerful boy. Brom gifted us with his smile and thoughtfulness until his last moments on this earth. Our hearts are heavy at the thought of a future with him no longer among us. He is succeeded by his father, Abraham, mother, Charlotte, and five siblings, Thornley, Charlotte, Thomas, and Richard. The second is Mr. Elias Shrivlock. Underneath there is one sentence, and it says, For inquiries about Mr. Shrivlock's business and subsequent debtors, please contact Mr. Howe of Howe and Lee. Oh no, this is terrible. Someone died. I don't know who the other guy is, but I'm pretty sure Van Helsing should know Brab. Personally. 
Well, at least literarily, because <laughs> he's read the book now. I feel like I'm about to know if I don't already know. <laughs> <laughs> you suddenly hear Beth kind of clear her throat, which is weird for an AI, uh, to get all of your attention. And she says, both of these deaths were not supposed to happen in 1855. Both? Both of these deaths were not supposed to happen in 1855. Oh, why did they happen? Yeah, Bram, Bram's supposed to die in 1912, if I remember correctly. If Google remembers correctly. <laughs> it appears that little Bram had an unknown illness. Mr. Elias Shrivlock. Now that is one that I have very little information about. He could have died from old age. He could have died from hmm, nothing. That's all I have. I do have an incoming transmission from the BTC's Department of Time Spectres. Should I allow them through? <laughs> yes. Put them through, Captain. Yeah, my mom loves the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> my mom went to BTS and I was like, hell yeah, let's have a rave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. So uh, Beth patches in this transmission. The hologram of the obituary fades away. And in its place is an image of a woman. It, you can tell that it is at least a live feed of some sort because she is moving, which you have not seen on the hologram yet. And it's a woman with long silver hair wearing a well-tailored suit. She's got tattoos on her neck that extend beneath her buttoned shirt. As she tucks a lock of hair behind one ear, you can see several piercings decorated by a variety of earrings ranging from small to large. But the strangest thing about her is that the longer you stare at her, the more you realize you can see the back of her chair through her torso. Well, this is kind of unsettling. Wait, the back of her chair or like it's the front of her chair back? Whatever, yeah, the front not. of her chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably not used to so many like piercings and tattoos, Jake, but it's like a very cool thing by the 90s. No, no, I'm, I'm talking that, no, I, I can see the chair. No, I mean, it's like I'm looking through her. I'm sorry, it's what? It's like she's a ghost. Oh, whoa, that is weird. Hi, are you a ghost? Ghosts are real, after all. <laughs> wait, wait, ghosts are real? Oh, yeah. Hello. Uh, Jake. Hello. Um, excuse me, but are you the crew of... <clears throat> let me see, no, uh, which Beth are you on to us. again? Uh, Vic's one, love. Hmm... Well, you have a you have a number. Ah, you're four twenty sixty nine. Six. <laughs> Got him. Um, you you are the crew of Beth one five four point six zero one, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's sure us. you did. All right, my name is Maximilian Alexander, but you may call me Ms. Alexander. I am the director over Calls to Repentance and Calamity Prevention for the DTS, and unfortunately, my big three have called out sick after attending another one of the DOD after parties. Leave it to Gira and Tina to screw me over during the busiest time of the year. But with the loss of my big three, I do need to find replacement stat, so it just so happens you're in the right area of time at the moment. And I did some digging and found some impressive backgrounds here. Zoom in, you've been haunted three times and has never bothered. Awesome job. Chaos, you've yeah, got yeah. a nice five hauntings under your belt. Effie, you're in the top 5% of all Earth with 95 hauntings. Van Helsing, you are quite literally the 0.1% with 189 hauntings. Seems like nothing phases you, sir. Well done. And Jake, oh, yours are scheduled but haven't happened yet. Just keep hanging around this crew no, and I don't get know there in no time. Talking about. 
Yeah. I Not love, only this. I love but... that Dan is freaking out about how much history is being placed in his story. <laughs> He's like, what the F is all of this? Not only this, but you all have some very useful skills. So I figured you'd be open to working for hire for a different section of the BTC. How's about it? Okay. What's the BTC? Hang on, everyone. The ghost. I'm in and Hang I contractually sign the whole crew. Ghosts are my area of expertise. Let me handle <laughs> this. 0.1%, yeah. <laughs> Zoom, did you know that we were working for someone? Uh, yeah. There was a whole thing about the the supers and the war and Vic, time, the time bureau or whatever. Yeah, so it seems here that we have this Beth listed under the jurisdiction of the Bureau of Temporal Corrections, the BTC. Uh So if you guys don't know that already... No, 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 we know, we know. We're totally cool. Oh, okay, okay, okay. We do this all the time. We are pros. (laughs) Don't even worry about it, love. We got your back 100%. Yeah, so I've got a case here um, that really needs to be worked on, like, ASAP. Um, and I understand it that you guys are also kind of cross working on a case for this person. His name's Mr. Elias Shrivlock. Ring a bell, ring a bell. Anyone, anyone? Yeah, it rang like lots of bells. And then there was some like red flashing lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bells. That's concerning. You should get that looked at. But cool. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and upload this case file. You guys can take a look at it. And uh, just, you know, I don't really take no for an answer. So that's good. Unless you don't really have a lot of plot otherwise. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. I really appreciate that. I also assume that your Beth is equipped with a, uh, with an updated simulation room. Yes. A hollow deck. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Amazing. That should work if you want to create any particularly haunting scenarios. There are attached scenes we've collected in in your research case file. Just select one and it'll play. Oh, and one more thing. I've sent a hanger's worth of typical supplies provided for cases like these. Feel free to take some items with you, but you know that everything you take will be docked from your pay, so just be aware of that. You might also get some resistance from the DOD, but it shouldn't be a big deal after the deal we made last year, but just want to mention it in case it's an emergency. But anyway, okay, good luck. Bye. Gotta go. And then she disappears. Wait, we get paid for this? No, but I ain't mad about it. You guys just brought me on to celebrate the holidays. I had no idea that you were already, you know, doing something in the time. You gotta tell me something like this before you, you bring me on, you know? You can just assume that every time you come on, something's gone horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The file comes up on screen. Beth kind of starts looking through it with you guys. The project title is Shrivlock's Last Chance. Subject, Elias Shrivlock. Deadline, 12 12 a.m. And you can see that the assignees uh, previously crossed out are Jezebel, Machiavelli, and Doug, and now replaced with crew of Beth 1542.601, comma, contractors for assignment. Your objective is to convince Mr. Shrivlock to have a change of heart and renounce his miser ways. Okay, so we need to split into two teams. One team needs to gather research, and the other team needs to abduct Mr. Shrivlock, bring him to the hollow deck, and run simulations based on the information fed to them by the other team. Hmm. Okay. I vote to be on the holodeck team. I, as the crew member who has spent the most amount of time on the holodeck, <laughs> am most equipped for this this mission. I morally objected to kidnapping, but I guess that I can help. It is for a good cause. 
He's kind of an old man. You think kidnapping will actually, like, make him go into a heart attack or something? Listen, we have a spaceship. It's not kidnapping. It's abducting. Perfect. <laughs> I will go down and do research, as that is my specialty. I'll come with you, and I'm bringing my Mallbot katana this time. <laughs> love it. Love it. Um, Char's still in the shower. <laughs> So what you're saying is that you got it from Asian gifts near Macy's. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it is technically magic because I am an artificer and I've imbued it with magic. Nice. Shar is still in the shower trying to get the horrid dollar store sunscreen out of her hair. Yeah. Hey, that's Banana Boat. It's a really good brand. <laughs> Never trust anything called Banana Boat. <laughs> Should we take a look at what was just like airdropped to us? That's know? what I was just asking. Yeah, yeah. So like, what was it? You said there was like a package of things. There is a hanger that has been attached to another part of Beth that has a plentiful gifts if you want to go and take a look. Yes. I go there. Yes. We would like to look. On my way to the hangar, on my way to the hangar, I stick my head in Char's room. And yell to her while she's in the shower. Char, we have to go and kidnap someone. <laughs> We're going to bring Again? them back. I'll just stay in my room and then you can come tell me when it's over, okay? That's fair. We're going to play a little bit of supplies roulette. Um, mm. Each player can look for two things. This can be literally anything you want. Anything. Uh, you must roll to get it, though. And if you fail... You can roll for another item, but it has to be a completely different item from the one that you failed on. This is your opportunity to have a super broken item if you roll for it correctly. I want a mind-reading helmet. Okay, uh, go ahead and roll a d20 for me. Nine. Ah, you know what? You cannot find a mind-reading helmet anywhere in this room. I want the Ring of Winter. Go for it. Roll, <laughs> can I roll elaborate, a d20. my dude? What? what does this ring of winter do? It turns everywhere into frozen place so you can find double the food! Yes! <laughs> Let's see here. It stops the character from aging. Permanent what? protection from scrying FX, which makes it impossible to tr be tracked by magic. Allows you to freeze the enemy where they stand so they'll break in a single hit. Nice. Wow, that seems good. All right, all right. I got an 18. Are you serious? <laughs> okay. Uh, Dan, in the corner of this room, hidden under, like, many other boxes, you see, like, this really, um, kind of, like, icy, frosted-looking, uh, crate, and you open it, and it's full of, like, a bunch of that, like, paper mesh stuff that you see when things are packaged, and sitting in the direct center is a solid ice block, with a single silver banded ring on the top of it, it calls to you. Jake Baum will never age. I would like a druidic quarterstaff. Roll a d20 for me. 17. All right. Zoo, you see like Whatever. this really crooked, gnarly, kind of dope staff leaning against the wall of this room. There is like a greenish kind of tinge around it, but otherwise it just kind of looks like a staff. But as you wrap your hand around it, you do feel like this surge of power inside of you and you kind of feel like laughing. It just makes you feel giddy. Um, so I didn't realize this, but the Ring of Winter is actually a sentient. 
Yeah, chaotic, you know, it's, it's going to fight with you for control of your body. It's very exciting. That's hilarious. <laughs> okay, so I grab the quarterstaff, and in my head only, I hear like a chorus of angels singing like the... And my hair like branches out from my head and like All flows Galadriel in the air like, like I'm in uh-huh. the water. I would like to try to find a hat of disguise. <laughs> okay, go for it. That's a 15. All right, cool. Van Helsing, you're a stylish guy. You wear a lot of tweed. You wear a lot of three-piece suits when you want to. And um, as you walk into this hangar full of crates and everything, you do see a random coat rack that just has a single hat on it. And you go and you pick it up, you put it on your head, you turn around, and everyone is just in awe because you suddenly look like... I don't know. What would I be thinking of? I don't know. A ghost. You're, just, you're reading Scarlet Dickens. Johansson. I look like a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> ah, like a, a ghost like a, a ghost version of myself great awesome cool <laughs> there's something else i want to find do it i would like to find an excuse for my sudden godly powers i don't need <laughs> okay. an excuse i could find like my holy symbol or whatever you are rifling through a box of random pieces of cloth at the bottom of it your hand touches something kind of hard and cold and as you pull it out it is a chunk of blue crystal you hold it in your hand and suddenly you just like feel your entire body cleansed by this holy aura and you decide to pocket it nice i want to be able to fly (laughs) okay i want flying boots Roll for me. I got 15. Hey, nice. Okay. You see like a kind of weird pair of boots. They have a racing stripe up the side and you go ahead and you put them on just kind of out of curiosity. And as you put them on, they like form perfectly to your feet and legs and you feel like 10 million times lighter. I want a deck of many things. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) I also don't know what that is. You guys know this gets deducted from our pay, right? (laughs) (laughs) Nobody else cares. Why should I? (laughs) Is this like a deck of cards where when you pull out the card, it can turn into the thing that's on the card? You pull out a card and it can like do really good or bad things. Yeah, it's not like the ring that is now bound to Jake. (laughs) It's not sentient. Ha! 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 Crap. I got a natural 20 on that one. <laughs> I didn't We're actually want a deck of many things. Now I have to look up how it actually works. Yeah, now you, you um, gotta send that to me. I would like a water bottle that never empties. Awesome. Roll for me. Jake's like, I want to be hydrated. Uh, what you want is the... 16. Decanter of endless water? Yes. Ooh, decanter of endless water. All right. Um, next to the crate where you, uh, found this beautiful ring that you just suddenly love with all of your heart. It is more precious to you than any grandchildren that may be yet to come. Um, (laughs) and, uh, beside it, you see this plastic water bottle and you are just like, now I love this thing. For some reason, you feel compelled to start like pouring it over this frosted box where you got the ring and... It just, it just doesn't stop. Hey, Chaos, this ring is the apple of my eye. Just, <laughs> just, just look at it. Just, just so beautiful. You know this ring? But it's my ring. It's my precious. You know? It's my, my precious. Not mine. <laughs> hey, All Jake. Right, token, calm down. Pick a card. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> 
I want to search for a dagger of venom. Okay, go ahead and roll. That 20. In the wall, you see like kind of some black viscous substance. And at the center of it is this like dagger hilt that's sticking out of the wall. Hey guys, that's not a knife. This is a knife. <laughs> and I hold up my we have dagger. two horrible things in this campaign now. Effie. I want a magic gun that like when you fire it, instead of bullets, it shoots spells. But cool. I want it to actually be like a crossbow, but like it's attached to my arm and I can't let it go. Let it go. Okay, roll for me. 19. You're just kind of like browsing through this box casually when suddenly you pull out your arm and instead of like the arm that you had previously, you now have your arm plus a little cute attachment. They can be whatever spells you want. You can prepare them and you can use each one of them one time. That sounds excellent. I feel just like my normal self, but I'm wearing an interesting device. Cool. I need to disguise for my kangaroo to make everyone think that Victi is a normal gentleman of this age. <laughs> okay, okay. Roll for me. 15. Okay, cool. You see another hat. It's more of a top hat. Victi actually like nudges it and is looking like she's asking you to put it on her. Here you go. As you guys all turn towards the door to go back uh, up to the bridge, Beth kind of chimes in and she says, I have also been instructed to provide you all with these. And a little panel slides out from the wall. And on them, you see tiny silver clips. Beth explains, when these are worn, you will appear ghostly. And then her comms turn off. Hmm. No, does this usually happen? That you have to go around looking like a ghost? No. Well, no. Usually we just look like ourselves, although sometimes we wear decontamination suits. Or Girl Scout uniforms. <laughs> oh yeah, or those. Okay, I, I grab a pin. Now that I look like a ghost and I can fly, I definitely think that I should be one of the abductors. Me too, because I can do this and I shift into a half bear man. Absolutely terrifying. Does anyone <laughs> react? No, no, no they're all like, okay. that's fine. Great. That's, that's um, you guys normal. go back to the bridge and you hear Beth say, setting course for Northern Dublin, December 21st, 1854. And you burst through the colorful time void to see a scene in contrasting grayscale. Dense fog hides most of your surroundings, but the few buildings you can see are dark and drearily covered in dirty snow. Um, Beth lands in the corner of a forsaken park where not a soul is stirring, not even a mouse, but you do see see a torn propped up sign with the words light festival in town square it is the only sign of life oh no we traveled back before there was color well uh, i think we need to go in town and before we do i'm gonna draw a car <laughs> <laughs> all right all right so to be clear do the way you... this works is i have to declare beforehand how many cards i'm going to draw and i can draw them no more than an hour apart so you need to let me know whenever it's about to be an hour so I can draw another card. Okay. <laughs> so, in other words, this is the gift that keeps on kicking us in the dads? <laughs> Let's find out, because here's the first one. I drew the plaque. I can avoid any situation I choose once. So I can rewrite reality to have something not happen to me. Okay. Great. And that's Amazing. my first card. It's probably going to go towards one of the other cards you're going to draw later. <laughs> 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 let's go towards the town square okay 
Um, you guys may slowly make your way through the snow and slush to the center of town. Uh, compared to the area of town you landed in, the scene you come across is lively. It's full of color. Booths are selling food and handmade goods are set up along the perimeter. And at the center, you see a set of marble steps covered with candles of all shapes and sizes. People are milling about, chatting, laughing, lighting more candles to add to the center display. As you look around, as you enter, some people that stand out to you are a man dressed in a white coat with a large bag at his side, an important looking gentleman with kind eyes and a tall top hat that looks eerily similar to Chaos's kangaroo. Does anybody want to draw a card? <laughs> oh God. Chaos, as soon as you say, does anyone want to draw a card? Some of these young urchins who have been rejoicing over their new clothes uh, run over to you. Oh, no. And one of them goes, me, sir, me, sir, I'd like to draw a card. Me, sir, me, sir. And then another one goes, no, it's my turn. Oh, no, it's my turn. Okay. No. <laughs> one card to draw. As Chaos goes to draw this card, a redheaded woman runs over and she goes, oh, I'm so sorry. You have to forgive them. They're just so excited. And you said something about cards and they don't see a lot of toys these days. I'm so sorry. Yeah. No, would you, would, would you like to draw a card? <laughs> you know, sir, I have to decline. I have some donations to take care of. And I have other clothes to give out. But, you know, you wouldn't happen to be able to give a donation, would you? But this ring, it, it, it's not it's not donation, you know? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, oh. I'm just, I'm going to draw a card and see if I can get something to donate. <laughs> okay, what card do you draw? I drew the Medusa. Oh, oh, uh-huh. That doesn't sound good. Minus three on all saving throws versus petrification. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. I give her this remarkably well-drawn picture of Medusa, and I walk um, away grateful. <laughs> she she kind of holds it in her hands and says, "But but sir, this is the worst. This is oh oh blimey. Well, at least this is more than what that damned Mister Shrivlock gave. If I have to bear with him saying, go ahead and decrease the surplus population one more time when I come around for donations, I swear I'll set the children on him. He'll never see him coming, though he might hear him." <laughs> <laughs> and she goes well, back to helping the urchins. Where could we find this Mr. Shrivenlock? I think he needs to draw a card. <laughs> <laughs> she turns towards you and goes, oh, he lives just down the way. Um, if you go down this main street and then take a left at the first left and then take another left at the first left and then go two more and then take a right, then he's the third house on the right. I'll never be able to forget that dreary place. I think the information people should go speak to the to the stokers while the abduct people go speak to the miser. No, that makes sense. Um, there is one more person that you guys did not talk to. You do not have to feel the obligation to talk to him. Who was it again? Oh, uh, it was a man dressed in a white coat with a large bag at his side. Nah, screw him. He sounds boring. <laughs> Wait, he sounds like me. I've got a yes. large bag. I said what I said. I want to compare my uh, doctor's bag with his to see whose is bigger. Do you go and set it down? All right. Let's do a bag measuring contest. <laughs> yes. Roll a perception check for me. Uh, perception. My best skill. 14. You see a stethoscope poking out of the bag. From your own expertise as a doctor, you would say that it's likely that he just came from a visit. Well, sir, what are you doing there? Oh, wait. Is my bag bigger? <laughs> How big's your bag? Very large. It's a famously <laughs> big bag, I think I it. stated earlier. Uh, your bag is bigger than his. Yes. I look at him down my nose. Do you happen to be a doctor as well, sir? I thought I was the only one for miles. 
Well, I've just come into town and I'm trying to get to know everyone here. Well, sir, I'm not going to be giving you my patience list if that's what you're asking for. I am quite the prestigious doctor and I nudge my bag a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) If you have any particularly tough cases... I thought maybe you could defer to me. Well, sir, it uh, sounds like you're very qualified. You know, we don't have that many tough cases up here. It's it's mostly uh, some typhoid and tuberculosis and the normal things that you find at this time of the year. But there has one young lad that has been troubling me for a while, but I don't know how comfortable I feel with passing him off to you after having just met you on, on the street. I tell you what, young chap. If you take me to this boy and I cannot diagnose him within the hour, I will leave this town. Uh, roll persuasion. Uh, that's a 15. Okay. Says, well, you know, his name is Brahm. His, his family would be very grateful if you'd be able to pay him a visit. You know, the winter solstice is pretty important to all of us here. And I know that they'd feel happier if they'd be able to actually get a diagnosis. Never you fear. I will take care of this young Brahm. All right. Where are you guys head to next? I'm um, going to diagnose my patient. Maybe we should grab him first. I agree. To his residence. You know, we, we can turn ourselves into ghosts and like just go through his house and no one kidnap him in his sleep and turn him into ice. Yeah, yeah, Jake. I think almost all of that is the plan. Um, <laughs> my precious. <laughs> so I guess Ben also going to go to the Brahm house, whatever. After all, Suman, we are doctors. Yeah, all right. Hippocratic Oath and all that. You know I didn't take that, right? Like, I'm a zoologist. (laughs) Yes. All right. Cool. All right. We are going to do stage one of your project, notifying Mr. Shrivlock of his opportunity for change. All right. So you guys find Mr. Shrivlock's home. Mr. Shrivlock's home is as dreary as his soul is cruel. There's lavish finishes covering its surfaces, but it seems nothing has been replaced in over 20 years. There's a light on in a room on the second floor that you can see. And uh, as you watch, there's a shadow that passes by the window before sitting into an unseen chair. My time in the chair as a spy, I think it's prepared me for something like this. So let us go first and see if we can do something, okay? I put on my ghost pin and follow Iqbal. Jake puts on his ghost pin and first goes, ooh. <laughs> and uh, Vicky and I will put on ghost pins and uh, go around the back and look for an open window. Okay, I'm going to do a perception, see if there's a window open on second floor. Cool. Roll investigation for me. 24. Oh, damn. Man, I did not get that good. I got an 18. I mean, still, oh damn. Jake, you can see that like up on the third floor, there is one window that maybe is cracked an inch, but it looks like all of the windows are sealed. And the best way in without completely destroying a window would probably be the front door. Chaos, you are able to see that there are heavy locks on pretty much every single entrance into this building. No, Effie, can you fly us up to that third floor? What, what? See that window what? right there that could be cracked open? Okay. Here, take this 50 feet of rope. We'll follow you. You have 50 feet of rope? Everyone in D&D has 50 feet of rope. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. The more you know. I tie the rope around my waist and fly up to the window that was pointed to by Jake Bomb. Okay. There is a lock on this window, um, and it, the window is not actually cracked, but it looks like for some reason the lock has like frozen over and you should be able to like push it open if you break the lock. Do you want to try and open the window? Yeah, sure. Cool. Uh, roll a strength check for me. 17. 
you put your hands underneath this window and the lock kind of cracks and you're able to slide the window up. All right, guys, the window's open. No, just as we planned. I'm going to need you both to make an athletics check for me. Yes, athletics is one of my skills. And that is a 21. 16. Oh, okay, cool. Jake, you shimmy on up this rope super easily. You were just born to climb ropes. And Chaos, you come up after him, you know, land into the room, panting a little bit heavily, but you have made it up. Okay, let's go to his bedroom. Okay, um, everyone make a stealth check for me. <laughs> 15. 17. 20, but not a nat 20. A dirty 20. Okay, cool. You guys all are able to creep around the house undetected. You guys come to Shrivlock's room that he is in. There are no lights throughout any of this house, you notice. The only light is coming from underneath this doorway. I would like to spend one of my charges and kind of touch the door and to start freezing the room inside. So all of a sudden there's like this fog and the ice crawls under the door into the room and up the walls and it gets colder and colder. And then as it gets cold, I will open the door and announce my presence as a ghost. Amazing. What an entrance. The door breaks open and you step into the room like shrouded in this misty fog with like tiny little ice crystals hanging suspended in it. How do you greet Shrivlock? Shrivlock, you no, I'm, I'm the ghost of Hanukkah future. <laughs> Your future, you know, it's cold and icy because you're such an icy bastard, you know, and just gonna, you're gonna die an icy cold death. And I'm here to show you. <laughs> gonna go with present. You got an icy cold present, my dude. But let's just jump to the bloody end. Okay, you guys know this is not supposed to be any of the ghosts. <laughs> no, it is the, the ones in chains. Marley and Marley. <laughs> yeah, it's not the... Yeah. You start saying all of this and uh, Shrivlock, he kind of shrinks back in his chair and the plate of food that was on his lap falls clattering to the floor and he goes, How now? What do you want with me? Who are you? We're here to show you what a little shit you are. So you better come with us and we're gonna just... I ran out Can... of things to say, but Can... it's supposed to be really intimidating, you know? Uh, roll intimidation. <laughs> I can't believe that I just rolled a nat 20. Whoa! So, <laughs> <laughs> wow, you were so, so intimidating. I am intimidated. Um, so that here. is a 24. He pees his pants. He, he falls to his knees and pleads with his hands clasped together. Please, uh, please, spirit, what evidence do you have that, that I I deserve any of this? Please, please, show mercy to me. We'll Chaos show you pulls the up evidence. the uh, case file on his power glove to get reminded of the evidence. <laughs> he looks through Jake Baum and sees you do this and kind of squints and then looks back at Jake Baum and says, can, can you, can you sit down? What do you think? I'm a ghost. Do you think I need to sit down? We don't need to sit down, my precious. <laughs> it says here that you haven't done anything good for anybody in like 25 years, which to be clear is longer than I've been dead and alive. <laughs> 25 i mean if if i could good good sir so good let sir. me ask you what good thing did you do 25 years ago i i, I haven't the faintest idea spirit look shrivlock if you don't mend your ways it's gonna be a cold day in hell and not just for you other people are being affected by how you're acting we have to take you into custody <laughs> <laughs> no ghost um, custody you got you better come with us <laughs> 
Shrivlock covers his ears and closes his eyes, mutters to himself, No, no, this, this can't be happening. There's so many things that can affect my senses. A, a slight disorder of the stomach made them cheats. You, you could be a bit of undigested bit of beef or a blot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, a fragment of underdone potato. There's more of gravy than of grave about you. Whatever you are, don't come near me. Mercy, dreadful apparition. Open up that window. We're going to take him on a little Hanukkah ride. <laughs> Chaos nods to Victi, and we both attack for non-lethal damage. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> okay, uh, roll attack rolls. Chaos scores a 17, and Victi hits on a 14. They both hit. Okay. Roll damage. That is going to be 18 points of non-lethal damage. <laughs> oh my gosh. Between the two of you or, or for both? Between the two of us. Okay. I go high, he goes low. <laughs> <laughs> He coughs as you hit him and doubles over, just completely stunned, takes his hand off his ears and opens his eyes and goes, By God, the spirits are attacking me. No, no, it's just beef. It's just beef. Um, everyone roll initiative. I kind of thought that was going to knock you out. I got a 17. I rolled a 15. All right, chaos. Uh, 10. Initiative. Chaos obviously is first. He took the first action. Then we have Effie. Then we have Jake. Then we have Shrivlock. So, Chaos, you took your action instigating the event. So, Effie, what do you want to do? I want to use my... I'll use my dash from Cunning Action. I want to rush forward and grab Shrivlock by his jaw or his neck. I'm not particular. And say something like... Where is the debonator? Listen, Mr. Skinflint, you might just be a lonely, sad old man who convinces us I was bad by going to extremes, but you still have to realize that the way you're acting is not acceptable. And then I want to use my flying boot to push him out the window. Yes! So then I can take him flying over the city to Beth. It definitely seems like you're trying to, like, positively parent him into behaving. <laughs> Well, see, it. apparently Jake was the bad cop, and now Effie's the good cop. Effie's the kick-your-ass-out-of-window-and-fly-around-the-city cop. I really <laughs> um, want Effie to do that. Just so you all know, I love the Muppets Christmas Carol, where he flies over the city. Yes. Go ahead and just do, like, a straight strength contest to see if you can actually get him out the window. Fifteen. Yeah, so he got a five. So, yes! You send him flying out the window. You hear a, a solid oof. And then there's uh, the crash of glass and you feel the cold uh, air of the night hit your faces. Once I get him off the ground, I probably have to readjust my hand holding so I don't accidentally kill him. <laughs> Go ahead and make a dexterity saving throw. Okay, I am proficient in dexterity. So I add dexterity and... Your proficiency bonus, which is two. So I'm adding five to 11, so 16. Cool. Uh, you barely are able to grab Shrivlock's wrist as he starts falling down into the street below. And he's just hollering, yelling, is absolutely frantic, panicked, and the color has all drained from his face, but he is safe and you have got a hold of him. Yes. Have fun on your Hanukkah adventure, pal. Has <laughs> anyone else thought about how we're getting back to the ship? <laughs> my precious yeah. will help us. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Effie, are you just leaving Chaos and Jake uh, in Shrivlock's home? Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's a dangerous city. <laughs> awesome 
See you guys oh. back on Beth. Don't steal anything. Okay, Effie, you fly Sherlock back to Beth. Way to enter initiative and leave initiative. Van Helsing and Zoomin, what are you guys up to? We're checking in on Teeny Tom. You mean Brom? Yeah, Teeny Brom. It's yes. bedridden Brom, thank you. <laughs> is he using a cane? Is he going to say, God bless everyone? Yeah, so we're going to go check up on bedridden Brom. Yeah, we're following directions from the doctor that I talked to, and hey. we go to the house. Awesome. Um, you guys weave your way through the streets, and you guys find a very pretty run-down-looking neighborhood. There's one house, you guys know this to be the Stoker home. You can see that there's, like, some faint lights through the window. You can't see in super well, as the glass is pretty clouded. But despite it being in a fairly run-down neighborhood, it looks like the house is taken care of by someone who really loves it. Okay, Professor Suman, this yeah, is kind of entering a weird place for me right now. Yeah, I could see how it would be a little bit uh, meta, I guess. Just to give him like a fan of your work, it'll be fine. Here's my question. How does this work? This is the man who wrote the book that I have read. About your future that you haven't lived yet that may or may not be fictional. Yeah. The weird thing is, as far as I read in the book... It follows pretty well what was going on in my life. So do I need to tell Brahms what was going on while we are here for this book to be written? Or do I need to avoid him and just tell you what to do f for this poor sick boy <laughs> through the window or something? Look, look, here's what we do, okay? We change your name. He won't know it's you. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. The book's already <laughs> written. So it'll be fine, okay? So instead of Dr. Ved Helsing, okay, we'll call you Dr. Han Velsing, all right? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a pretty good name. <laughs> okay, but the bottom line, we know this boy needs to live. So yes. let us try to save him. Let's go. Okay. All right, you knock on the door. And a moment later, a middle-aged woman answers. She has her hair drawn up, um, is wearing a, a kind of threadbare dress, um, though it looks like it's been patched a couple of times, particularly in the elbows, along the hem. And she looks up at you with tired eyes, but with a smile on her face and says, Ah, yes, how can I help you? Ah, uh, Miss Piggy, I mean, Mrs. Stoke. <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, Dr. Archibald Zuman III, and uh, this here is my esteemed associate, Dr. Han Velsing. We're here to come and see what we can do about uh, poor bedridden Brahm. Aye, well, you sound mighty fancy. What would you be doing looking after my poor Brahm? Uh, you weren't sent by Dr. Leaf, were you? Yes, madame. In fact, we just spoke to him in the square. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we look after special cases that we think have a uh, a bright potential, and uh, we take special interest in those cases. Her eyes well up with tears, and uh, she grabs your hands, and she says, "Potential? You you think you can heal me, Brom? You, you do? You truly do?" Uh, yeah, yeah. We have some uh, some unique medical capabilities that you won't find here. I mean, I've operated MRI machines big enough to handle an African <laughs> elephant. I, I I can totally help your boy, man. Oh, bless you, bless you, sir. 
She looks a little confused, but still very grateful. And she ushers you guys into the house. Uh, You step in and it's, especially for you, Zoom In, it feels like a very cramped space. The ceiling is so low that you, Zoom In, feel like you have to stoop in order to be able to stand up. There is a few coals crackling in the fireplace that are giving a tiny bit of light to the room. Candles are burnt down to stubs. And from another room in the house, a door opens and closes and out walks a middle-aged man. You know, slightly balding, brown hair, is wearing threadbare clothes similar to his wife's as far as like fashion and wear. He looks at both of you, looks at his wife and says, Aye, what do we have here? And his wife kindly explains, you know, both of you gentlemen, introduces you, gets your names probably wrong, and... (laughs) Oh no! They found out my identity! (laughs) 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 The father walks up to you, Abraham, and he holds out his hand to shake both of yours and says, Aye, we are mighty grateful for your help if you... If you are able to help Brom, Dr. Leaf has been tending him for a while, and unfortunately he hasn't been able to give us any solid news. Please, I am a very distinguished doctor and lawyer and professor. (laughs) I believe that I can help your boy. Please take me to this young Brahms. And I am an excellent zoologist. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) They lead you up a rickety set of stairs to a lone bedroom. And as you get closer, you kind of hear the faint (coughs) coughing of a little little pair of lungs and you walk into this loft room sitting up in bed is little Brom who has bright brown eyes and has several books strewn about him around uh, the bed as he sees you he says oh sirs I, I'd get up to greet you but but I'm afraid I can't as I'm well bedridden as you would know from my name <laughs> <laughs> It, that, that's that's all right, Brom. And uh, Zoo sits down on the floor, cross-legged, right next to his bed. Nice. Okay, so uh, I would like to perform medicine. <laughs> what? <laughs> I would like to perform a medicine check on this boy. Okay, go ahead and roll me a "What is wrong with this boy?" roll. There's a there's a there's a roll for that. It's called medicine. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right then. Okay, I got a eighteen. Okay, you, just from looking at poor little Brom, you can't see anything immediately wrong with him as far as like, you know, he doesn't have any rashes, he doesn't have any broken bones, he doesn't have any kind of discoloring of his face other than he looks a little bit pale. What you can see is that his clothes don't really seem to fit him. They hang on him. Despite the brightness in his eyes, his face looks a little bit gaunt. And as he moves his hand, it's uh, shaking a little bit. You, as a doctor, would assume that this means that he is malnourished and unable to really sustain any kind of activity for his body. And so if we could actually get Elias Trivlock to be a little bit less of a cold-hearted dick, they could probably, like, afford to feed their son. I mean, I would guess it's probably a combination of things, but I think that he obviously would have a better chance if he could also be eating better. All right, Mr. and Mrs. Stoker, listen, there's just, there's a lot going on with this with this young Brahm here, and I don't think we'll be able to cure him here, but we do have a facility that we can take him to uh, that will allow us to get much more accurate tests than Dr. Watts' nose, and uh, <laughs> even get him a good meal, and hopefully get him on the road to recovery. So I guess, uh, can you fill out this nondescript form here that just says you release this boy to our custody? And, uh, <laughs> we'll be right 
on our way. Uh, you'll have him back in, in two to seven business days. Uh, <laughs> um, go ahead and roll persuasion for me. Shit, I don't think I'm good at that. Um, I'm actually pretty good at persuasion. I've got a nat 20. Oh, Are you serious? Yes! I'm 100% oh serious. I yes, bombs going on a ride. Got it in clutch. <laughs> and I do have a negative three to persuasion, so thank God I got a net 20. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, yeah, I have a pen, love. Here you go. <laughs> Mrs. Stoker grabs the clothing, you know, around her sternum and looks a little bit teary-eyed, but her husband squeezes her shoulder and, and takes the pen, says, Well, we'd be mighty grateful, but if you could have him home, you know, by morning, or at least let us know by morning how he's doing or how long you'll be. Like I said, it's two to seven business days, but <laughs> if you file a uh, 29G expedited service, we'll be able to get him back to you sooner. And then obviously that comes with regular updates about his progress. We'll send a tiny puppet rat to come talk to you about it <laughs> i'm not exactly sure what that means but but no. thank you and brom my boy and he, he kneels down and takes brom's hands in his we love you son i know that whatever's going on inside your body you're strong enough to combat it listen to these nice men and do what they say unless they ask you to do something weird then don't do it <laughs> that's too broad and also too specific you know what to do if you need us son yeah, all right then. Um, so I pick up Bram Stoker in my arms and I say, he weighs less than a pavlova. And I start walking towards the door. <laughs> I promise the family as we're leaving that we will keep them updated and, and all that stuff. As we leave, I'm wondering if we need to like put a bag over his head or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> a burlap sack? Yes. Oh my gosh. Check your form. Was that in the terms and conditions? Ooh. <laughs> This could actually turn uh, one of the world's like foremost original supernatural riders into like a sci-fi guy. <laughs> that's why I'm. That's why I want to be careful here. He writes Dracula: A Space Odyssey. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. All of you are headed back to Beth. We have one in the skies. Wait, wait, hang on. I did want to like see if we could not expose young Bram Stoker to the future. So I was wondering if I could talk to Beth and see if uh, there's anything that she could do. Camouflage her internals. Okay, okay. Go ahead and get on comms. Friend Bethany. (laughs) (laughs) I am bringing a very important person on board. This is Bram Stoker, the writer of my life's legacy. I do not want to ruin history by exposing him to your beautiful insides. Could you maybe tone it down a little bit? Hold on. What? Dr. Van Helsing, you are never allowed to call me Bethany again. Oh. But because this is a special instance, I will go ahead and grant your wish, despite your misstep. Thank you so much, Beth. That will never happen again. I just thought I would try something different. I see. Shall I call you Hanvel Singh now? Oh, please. Please do not address <laughs> me while young Bram Stoker is on board. Do not address me at all. <laughs> <laughs> just don't talk to me. Before good old Chaos and I head back, we probably have some work to do in Shrivlock's house. Does he have a diary and or a ledger? And does it talk about his sensitive nostrils in that diary and or ledger? <laughs> um, go ahead and roll investigation. <laughs> Investigate. Ooh, that would be a 23. 
Dang. You know, let's just go with that. I'm not even going to roll. That's fine. You do not find a single scrap of paper Ugh. throughout the entire house. His ledger, nowhere to be found inside his house. However, you do find a locked door on the third floor that no matter how hard you push on the door, no matter how hard you turn the handle, you can't seem to get it open. See, that sounds like a challenge. I think that this door could be put on some ice. How about you? One of you freeze it and then the other one use a kangaroo mech to kick it down. Deal. <laughs> All right, my precious. Stop. <laughs> every, every time it makes me want to cry. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> I'm going to use one of my charges to turn this door to ice, ice, baby. (laughs) All right. It is now ice. Cool. And it's also very vulnerable. So go ahead, kangaroo man. Victy, I choose you. (laughs) Mega kick. You can roll. Actually, you can attack it, but you can attack it with advantage. Ooh, advantage. I like it when people say advantage. Uh, 25. Yeah, that, yeah, doesn't even matter how much damage you do to this door. (laughs) It is ice and it gets hit by Victy's feet right in the center of it. The ice on it cracks, does some cool ice effect stuff and then uh, shatters completely. And you're able to walk into this room. Yay. I walk into this room. Now what's in the secret room? It is pretty dark in here, but there is a little bit of light still coming in from a street light right outside the window, despite the window being almost completely covered in several layers of dust. There's only one desk in the whole room. Everything else is empty. There are a few handkerchiefs. There's a couple of charcoal drawings of mundane things like storefronts, plants, animals, and there is also a wristwatch. We just turned the wristwatch to ice. The wristwatch? Why? Dang it. I want to roll to pick up the wristwatch before he turns it into ice. (laughs) Um, What's your guys' dex modifiers? Plus four. Uh, Plus four? I'm just going to say that Chaos can pick up the watch first. Chaos, you pick up this wristwatch and the front of it, the face, is shattered. The bands are really worn leather. It was obviously a very loved wristwatch. As you look at it, you turn it over in your hands and... It has an engraving. Yeah, on the back is engraved, (laughs) To My Partner. Is it engraved with To My Partner like it's actually To My Gay Lover? It is engraved To My Partner. I withdraw the question. Roll insight? (laughs) Okay. How good is Chaos's gaydar? Nine. Not very. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this is this is a partner transaction, you know, one one Christmas gift to another essentially. The font is Times New Roman, you know, <laughs> very basic. Uh, this seems uh significant. I'm going to put this in my pocket where it can't be mysteriously turned to ice. <laughs> What's on the pictures? Do you do you turn the pictures to ice? Not yet. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, there's nothing in particular that seems like out of the ordinary. It looks like some, you know, charcoal sketchings from someone who decided to sit down on a bench on the street and draw some stuff. Nothing really stands out. No names. Hmm. No signature. All right. Open the drawers of the desk. They're empty. Dang it. So you can continue to try and, and look around for different things. Should we pay this Franz a visit? I don't know. How good's your charisma score? I hold up my ring and say, no, my Christmas score is good enough. (laughs) 
let's just go back to the ship. <laughs> One of the things that I really love about this is the fact that the 20th anniversary of Lord of the Rings is tomorrow. So I feel like this is very thematic for what's been going on in my mind for the past 24 hours. <laughs> I just have one question for you, Chaos. Do you want to build a snowman? Oh my god, that was so creepy! Why was that so creepy? Yeah, that was way scary. Why was it so scary? It was, it was the little, it was the little like, laugh, the laugh. <laughs> I draw a card from the deck. Oh my god! <laughs> ah, no! No! We're never getting home. Go on. Oh no, what did you draw? Look at his oh, face. No. I'm terrified. <laughs> Listeners, his face looks like I haven't finished like reading evil. this, but I don't like it. <laughs> oh my gosh. This oh, black no. card spells instant disaster. Oh, the character's no. body continues to function as though comatose, but their psyche is trapped in a prison somewhere in an object on a plane far or far planet, possibly in the possession of an outsider. A wish or a miracle does not bring back the character, instead merely revealing the plane of entrapment. Draw no more cards. You can stop. You can stop this. You got that one from earlier. You can oh, yeah. stop this. From oh, yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, is he going to end up in the gay pocket watch? Because I'm not okay. Do you want to stop this? Uh, yes, please. Okay. <laughs> this is the that, beginning that of a new tone. adventure. Chaos, yeah. you, you pull this card out of this deck and you feel kind of weird. Really not good. Kind of sick to your stomach and the world around you kind of starts to spin. When your other hand, somehow, you're not sure because you did not tell your other hand to do this, but your other hand somehow reaches in your pocket and pulls out the other card that you drew earlier and everything settles into its place. Both cards, as the world settles around you and you're able to take a deep breath, disintegrate into nothing. No, no, no snowman, thank you. No snowman tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I've had enough already. I'm going home. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, do you guys go back to the ship now? Yes, please. Okay, great. Everyone, you guys all come back to the ship. Effie, you have been here a bit, but everyone else gets here at the same time. What did you do with Shrivlock when you got him to Beth? I, well, my plan was to put him in the holodeck. Did you create any kind of like scene for him or is it just like a big black box room right now? He is screaming. Van Helsing, Zoo, and Brom, you guys get to Beth about the same time as Chaos and Jake. As you guys enter, you can see that the interior has been changed to look like a very stately manor house. Fit for the time period. Uh, Hey, Beth, uh, could you light up the way to the uh, med bay? I'm a little turned around. A single lamp lights next to a door. Ah, awesome. I uh, jog with Bram in my hands and lay him on the, the med bay bed. And then I go over to the side panel and I say, one bag of mm, spicy nacho Doritos, I think will do the trick. Please, Ben. Zoomin, no. <laughs> Feed him some good hobbit food. They're for me. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> A bag of Doritos shoots out of the wall. Uh, roll a dexterity saving throw. 16. Yeah, you catch it. Nice. Oh, young Brahms, are you okay? You seem like you're hallucinating. And I make big <laughs> eyes at Dr. Zuman. <laughs> I go, uh, oh, shit. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you want one, Brahm? And I, I open the bag of Doritos and, and I offer it to I smack him out of his hands. <laughs> hey! 
<laughs> I've been trying to get her to make me the spicy nacho Doritos this whole time. It's always cool ranch. Doritos were not invented for like 200 years, man. Stop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh-huh. Can you get me a, a turkey drumstick, please, Beth? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Brom is taking notes. Oh, my gosh. Oh God. <laughs> on, on a little pocketbook that he pulled out of his pocket. Oh, Brom, now is not the time. I hand him the turkey drumstick instead. And I say, you need to be doing more eating and less writing, kid. Come on, get some meat on those bones. You see him write down on the page, more eating, less writing. And then he closes it (laughs) and puts it back in his pocket. I inconspicuously tear out the page that says more eating, less writing. You, uh, okay, um, are you going to try and take this notebook out of this child's pocket? Yeah. Are you going to try to do it stealthily? Or do you yeah. just want to take it by force? No, no, no. We'll try stealth first. Okay, roll stealth for me. 17. <laughs> you slide this notebook out of this child's pocket. Okay. You are I, now uh... in the possession of a diary belonging to Bram Stoker. Oh, okay. Mm. I would like to quickly check through it, see if there's anything pertinent to our treatment of Bram, like a, like a list of allergies or like a <laughs> next of kin. <laughs> um, <laughs> see if you wrote down his medication list. <laughs> okay. Um... <laughs> You look through this notebook and you see that there's nothing about medication, nothing about like when he started feeling bad. It doesn't go back more than the past six months. So you can ascertain that at least for the past six months, he has been bedridden. Um, But there's lots of notes on stories that he thinks about, fantasies that he's creating, adventures that he wants to go on. As you get towards the end, you do see that he's made some notes about a man with sensitive nostrils. Um, and how that's a good inspiration. You also... I should have grown out my mustache to hide them. (laughs) There is also one note that you see on an offhand page that is written in bold letters, and it just says, use the garlic. Okay. Ah, Brahma, you seem to have dropped this, mate. Here you go. After having torn out the page that says, more eating, less writing. (laughs) Is that the same page that says something about sensitive nostrils? No, those are different pages. Okay. Cool. Okay. I just I was just like worried as you did that my nostrils would just like become <laughs> less sensitive. <laughs> are you guys are you guys going to stay with Brom? Are you gonna find the rest? Alright, Doc. Uh Dr. Hanvelsing, I'm gonna go and check up with the rest of our team. I guess you and your lovely assistant Beth can uh, can work on little Brahm here. And I pat Brahm's shoulders and sneak him the bag of Doritos. And leave. Cool. Chaos and Jake, you guys go and find Effie. Effie, you're just, I'm assuming, hanging out, chilling in front of the hollow deck. Yep, that's what I'm doing. As you guys walk towards the hollow deck, you hear Beth come over your comms and she says, I was just reviewing the project that you all were given. Oh, I notified the hell out of him. <laughs> uh, yeah, you all notified him quite well. Um, so you guys find Effie in front of the holodeck. What do you do? Um, what's hey, stage uh, two? It's to remind him of his origins and the humanity he's tossed aside. We reckon two to three reminders, but trust your judgment. Yeah, I think we should roll insight on these memory vials to see which ones would be best. I think that you guys just need to choose. Because I was thinking definitely with the watch, we should use William Franz and we should lean into that. Wow, he built a library for his community as a youth. I want to take him back to his loving sisters. Because I feel like that could be used to tug on his heartstrings with like other children that are around. Okay. We we should definitely do Franz, but we shouldn't do it first. 
Yeah, I agree. I think I think Franz hit him with that one at the end of this phase two. So let's do sisters. Yeah, let's show him his sisters and then let's go from Franz into what Franz is doing now and show him kind of, hey, just so you know, this is was your relationship. And, the, you know, Franz. Franz is fine. He has a new boyfriend who treats him nice. We can only hope. <laughs> All right, let's load up the sisters program and hope it doesn't get weird. Beth, load up memory file sisters from 18 something and let's let's uh kick this old goat in there and see what happens you hear a weird kind of whirring and the sconce that is outside of the holodeck door turns from its normal like yellowish golden light to red signifying Ooh, that there is a memory uh yeah <laughs> that there's something going on a little screen like window pops up next to the door allowing you guys to see into the room you see that there is a little button and it is next to an intercom looking attachment this is my area of expertise you know got the two-way mirror and got the little button i know I, I got this advanced Kay. interrogation tactics from jake <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Uh, awesome. So the room kind of spins, whirling colors go on, and it settles on a scene. Beautiful script kind of flows around the outside of the room. Looks like it's floating just in the middle of the air, and it says 1814. And Shrivlock stands up, is very, very startled, and kind of goes, Oh, what? What What is this? What are you doing to me? One of us should say something to him about what's going on. And what he should be learning from this. We can't expect him to get the right message undirected. You know, Great idea. I, I, I think it. I think we should do it. You know? I think maybe it should... Ju- wait. <clears throat> uh, I think it should just probably be Effie. Uh, what? Well, you've already flown him around the yeah. city. That's a very Ghost of Christmas Past of you. Yeah, you're, so. you're the Ghost of Christmas Past now. Sorry. <laughs> so I'm the present. So he has sisters that were showing him past Christmases with his sisters. Yeah, it's happy. They're loving, doting sisters who love. But them. are they now dead or? <laughs> I mean, presumably he doesn't talk to them anymore. Probably the worst that's happened is they moved to another city. They don't have to be dead. Are they dead? <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to be dead. Are they dead? Sarah, are they dead? Did you kill these poor, sweet little girls? I don't think you guys have any way of knowing that. Beth would know. Beth, these people that we're showing him, have they died? Are they ill? How have they suffered at his miserly hands? Have they moved on to the cold embrace of death? Oh my gosh, now we're getting goth Jake. I don't know if I can handle this. (laughs) Freaking golem Jake was bad enough. According to my research, all of Shrivlock's family are deceased. Did he kill any of them? <laughs> directly or indirectly. <laughs> Mr. Shrivlock has never killed someone, directly or indirectly, at least in the time period you are in. Okay. Uh, how did his sisters die? It looks like his whole family passed away from typhoid fever while Ooh. he was away at school. That's that's actually kind of sad. So what so what you need to tell him then is uh learning is bad. <laughs> <laughs> Shrivlock, you old humbug. Look at these precious family members. Think of the moments that you spend with them in happiness and warmth. As you are saying this, Sarah, the scene before Shrivlock um, is his parents, George and Isabel. They're smiling down at young Elias, whose eyes sparkle as he listens to their words. They're showering him with praise over his latest drawing, as you can see held out in front of him. 
and the three of them stand in a well-lit parlor with a winter solstice bush decorated in the corner. Two young girls with bouncing blonde curls run up and hug him and ask him to play, shouting, Elias, Elias! And he smiles and agrees, leaving his drawing of a bird on the table. As it reaches this, you know, you kind of finish what you were saying, Effie, and Shrivlock goes, Huh! Fools, they encourage such paltry dreams as that of a young boy who wished to draw his whole life. As if they'd be able to support me throughout the hardships of an artist. My father never understood business, always giving too much aid to the poor. And I say it's enough for a man to understand his own business and not interfere with other people's. Mind occupies me constantly. Suddenly the scene changes and he is standing amidst a rainy graveside service. Young Elias is standing off in the distance, looking now slightly older and is dressed head to toe in black. And he stands alone in front of four small graves. Shrivlock at this point is reserved. You can tell that he's trying to hide his emotions in his face. Well, fam, thanks for listening. Part two of our Dickens and Demons holiday special will be released Sunday, December 26th. But in the meantime, we'll see you all at Susie's for our annual non-denominational gift exchange. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.